Konnichiwa. Howdy, y'all. I'm Leslie. I'm Laurie. Welcome to Sumo, sumo Kaboom. Kaboomage. Where we talk about all things sumo. Yes. Yes. And this week, this week we're going to talk about one of our favorite wrestlers that we haven't talked about much at all. From the, fa- from the past. He's actually- from the fast. Oh, or the past. past. Uh, from the past. But uh, he's currently in the sumo world as an Oyakata. That's right. Musashimaru. And the reason we're talking about him is because I happened upon an article this week about um, there's a new kid in Musashi Maru Stable, this new kid from America. And it just took me down this road. Like, who is this kid? Where are these kids coming from? And that made me think, you know what? We have never done an episode on Musashi Maru. And I think it's about time yeah. because he's prominent in our Instagram feed, probably yours too. Yeah, because I've creeped on him ever since I saw him live in person back when I was Not that in you're Japan. name dropping or anything. Well, I didn't meet him. I was just like a rando person in the stadium back May of 1998. But he, I had, I think, a, a Musashimaru keychain, I think, because I was an American. And then I was like, there's an American and he's crushing Suo. Yeah. So I've been a fan. Ever since. Well, and if you've ever been on Twitter or Instagram and you've seen a picture of a young sumo wrestler probably holding a birthday cake with a candle in it, those are usually from Musashimaru's staple. Yes. He loves to take birthday photos of sumo wrestlers, which is great. He is a great oyakata. He is, like the rest of them, probably hard as nails and he's got to train some kids up to be pretty tough, but he balances it out. I think, with the soft side, which is the cakes and the pizza parties and the BBQ. Which is what we all hope. We all hope, we all that, hope it that it balances that's out. that's the case. It's but, really uh, all about popcorn movie nights. That's right. Yeah. But uh, but before we get to that, how about a news flash? If you are on the socials and you follow former wrestler Yutakayama, you will be astounded at what he looks like because he's been training for half marathons and marathons. So he finished a half marathon and he's just skinny and he ran it in two hours and like eight minutes or something. So his fitness goals are happening and he plans to run the Tokyo Marathon next year and continue to lose weight. Um, but it I, is. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, that's Yutakayama at like half the size he it's was. It's so bizarre. But I love like, watching his, it's his awesome. change. It's really cool. It's really cool. And he's so excited about it. So that's really fun. The other tidbit of information I wanted to give you all is that Wakatakakage is back in action. He is in practice at the Orashio Bea and his coach is saying that things they're hoping crossing fingers that we will see him in Kyushu he says Wakataka Kagi says um, my knee is feeling much better with that <laughs> yeah I wish him all the luck I hope he comes back but only if he's healthy only if he's healthy yeah that, otherwise like, just take another few months like take the Hollywood like, season you're already going to be down at the bottom of the levels you're going to crush all these poor kids yeah down yeah there. yeah I think um, I said Hollywood season but I meant holiday season or Hollywood season yeah uh, either, either one either one works either one just take the time just take the time please because we want you to come back and crush it but we did want to thank some of our recent donors uh we see you and we adore you and thank you all for helping us keep this this uh, ramshackle operation going. <laughs> Very appreciated. <laughs> it helps us in so many ways. So thanks again. 
with Sashi Maru. I had a really fun time like finding interview information because and finding old interviews because he speaks English. And um, so it's just a little bit easier for me to comprehend and kind of get a little snapshot of who he is as a person. And um, I'll first give you a little background on him. But then I wanted to kind of read you a couple of things that he said verbatim out of his mouth in English. And that's always kind of fun to just kind of hear his voice and how he speaks and what his thoughts are. He was the 67th Yokozuna. So he did pretty well in the sumo world. He did. He did. So where he comes from, he was born in 1971. Yeah, he's my age. This is what's so freaky. I am as old. Yeah, we are the same age. And I still see him as like an elder. Yeah, and I I'm know. Like, he literally. And look at what I've done with my life. <laughs> You've I'm done sitting in a things. closet talking You've done about some amazing things. I have. But he was born in American Samoa, and he's the fourth son. Um, now, there were eight kids, all in all. So let's say maybe when he first came out into this world, he had to fight for. I don't food? know. I, not food, but he had to just fight for probably anything with eight kids. But he was the fourth son of a German Tongan father and a Portuguese Samoan mother. And that so, is a lot of culture in one household. Yes. But they lived there for 10 years. And then at 10, then he moved to Oahu in Hawaii when he was 10. Um, when he first came to Hawaii, he only spoke Samoan. And so he really... Um, some of the interviews and some of the Wikipedia reports that he struggled with the English language. And so he also, it was reported he had a father who had some pretty strict rules around the house and about friends not being able to come over. So once he got to Hawaii, you could kind of sense maybe this kid gravitated towards sports because that was something he could do. He could learn the language at the same time, but it didn't involve having to know English you know, to succeed in school. And so he did have a little bit of a hard time there, but he eventually found football and Greco-Roman wrestling. Now, he was already a big kid. By the time he was professionally wrestling, you should know he was 6'3 and, or 6'4, 6'3 and a half or 6'4 and 518 pounds. So Big guy. Yeah. Big, so, big guy. Yeah. And I think his high school coach or one of his coaches said, uh, well, he 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 kept putting on weight and he would basically weigh out of competition in high school. He was too heavy for some of these wrestling, you know, tournaments. So like his, he couldn't compete? Yeah. Cause they was, wouldn't let him compete? Yeah. Because he was too big, um, which sounds weird. His coach at the time said, look, kid, um, why don't you look into sumo? You're a big boy. Yeah. And I don't know timing wise. I know when he came into the sport, which was it was in eighty nine, I believe. Akebono was older than him, and and we had had Takamiyama. There were other legends from Hawaii, so you know maybe he did at least grow up and being like this is something other you know guys have done and have done really well. So hey, maybe I have a shot at it. I don't know. I'm putting words into his mouth. He may not have thought that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But his coach is definitely his thought, coach is like, you're too big for some of these <laughs> footballers. Yes. You're too big. Yes. Why don't you look at another contact sport where the big guys tend to hang out? Right. But he had actually gotten scholarships to play 
college football back in the States, like Pasadena City College. And somewhere on the Wikipedia for the Japanese side, they said that I think he started like going down that path of going to college, but either due to financial reasons or what have you, he ended up deciding, okay, or he was scouted in some way. I think I am going to go the sumo route. Um, And so he got, uh, it was in 89, when he was 18, he packed up and he got a visa and he went to Japan on a trial basis to do sumo. This was uh, a stable, formerly known um, as Musashigawa. Currently, it's known as Fujishima. During that time when he came to the stable, his oyakata was Yokozuna, former Yokozuna, Mae Naomi. And he had height and weight on his side. And so this trial basis, he basically dedicated himself to sumo. Now, he didn't know Japanese, and but he just... <laughs> He had the advantages he had, but he worked really, really hard. And so he was given the Shikona Musashi Maru, which is the Shikona is the first part of his um, stable. But the last part, interestingly enough, is his real part of his real name. And his real name when he was born is Fiamalu or Fiamaru Penitani. So. They took off that malu or maru off of the end of that and then smashed it together. Hmm. He made his pro debut in September of 1989 and pretty much skyrocketed up the ranks. I think his pro debut, he got a 7-0 like record <laughs> or something like that. So in two years time, he was in Jurio. And when he debuted in Jurio, he won the tournament in Jurio. And so he crushed it and found himself in Makauchi just two months later in 1991, November of 91. About six months later, he was already in Sanyaku with being Ooh. a Komosubi. Wow. Two tournaments later, he was a Sekiwake. So once he became a Sekiwake in July of 1992, he spent about nine tournaments at Sekiwake. Um, but he kind of, you know, I wouldn't say that's a struggle. Um, but he sort of slowed down at that point, but pretty much prior to that was like, uh, I'm just going to take the express elevator to the top. And he did. Now, once he was there for a year and a half, he finally made it to Ozeki and began an incredible, this is what I didn't remember. He had a 32 tournament run as an Ozeki. Wow. Five years. Wow. Like before he became a Yokozuna. It should also be noted that up to that point, this is a crazy fact. He had only had one Makekoshi record. Hmm. By the end of his career, he had a 55 tournament record of only Kachikoshi records. And he had still had more Kachikoshis than that. That was just the run of them between his wow. very first, uh, first um, Makekoshi back in Makushita at Makushita 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in like the first, <laughs> not the very first tournament, but like the fourth or fifth tournament, a complete run of Kachikoshis until many, many years later, 55 tournaments later. That's amazing. He did have other tournaments that he was out due to injury, but that he was on. So he was kind of known as somebody who, and he still has this uh, point of view today. Like if you get injured, you like, you just keep going, you, you know, or you just fight through the pain. There was no stopping. And it makes you think, one of eight kids, like, yeah, you can survive. 
amongst chaos, Mm -hmm. you know, you can survive through being in a different country, you know, and learning all those traditions and studying Japanese and all the ways of, of, of the world of Japan and then crushing it in the doyo. So, um, and that Makikoshi early on in his career was due to an injury. I think it was a collarbone. So that was the only, he still fought, but he, that was the only one it was kind of due to injury. Hmm. He finally became a Yokozuna after two back-to-back tournament wins with 13-2 records in March and May of 19, or 1999. By July 1999, he made his debut, but he didn't win uh, that first debut tournament, but he did win the next two. So he's like, hi, I'm a Yokozuna. I'm going to get my bearings. And then the next two tournaments, I'm going to take home the trophy. Now, also, you have to remember, he was during the era of Akebono and the Wakataka brothers. Mm -hmm. So this was a legendary time of more recent, you know, um, of more recent sumo history where you had four Yokozunas reigning. You know, we've only seen one, it seems like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) forever. Two. One dominating forever. And we've seen Kakaru and we've seen um, Hakuho and Terunofuji, but... Kusunasato. Yeah. Exactly. But um, once he got four four, dominant ones at the same time. Right. Like, that's why I think it was so much of a craze back then for me, even. There was just so many eyes on this sport because it was very exciting, intense competition. Somewhere in 2000, he suffered an injury. Now, this was a left wrist injury. It was a tendon injury. And I think by the end of his career, he admitted that it was like, I don't think I had any any tendons attached. (laughs) At this point. Wow. And get this, because of his big size, they couldn't put him fully under anesthesia. So he had surgery on his left wrist without proper anesthesia. And he had the surgery done and he still came back and continued to fight and win tournaments after that. In the end, it was a combination of that left wrist injury, which plagued him forever. But also he never admitted until after he retired that he had suffered a high school injury, I think in his neck way back when never really dealt with it, just fought with it. And so those two things brought him down in the end, but it was an amazing career. Amazing I'm still stuck on why couldn't they put him under anesthesia? He was 518 pounds. What I have no does idea. that matter? I mean, I'm no doctor, but I, I don't thought know. you could put anyone under anesthesia. I don't know. That seems really weird. That just seems like a local legend. Like, Aryo Kazuna is so <laughs> immune to pain <laughs> well, maybe that he is. had wrist surgery without being put under. I mean, maybe. It came straight from Japanese Wikipedia. That just, yeah, that just seems like a myth. Well, I don't maybe know, it is. If someone, if someone is a doctor out there and knows that you just can't put anyone under, if they're <laughs> over 500 pounds, please call me and let me know. <laughs> I don't know, but that's what it said. But, you know, the end of his Yokozuna career was there was a young whippersnapper coming up at that time. And that began the reign of Asa Shoryu as a Yokozuna. So that's kind of where he lies in the big old history of all of that. Would you say he's well-loved? He is well-loved and well-respected. And he worked really hard. And when he first came into sumo, he won, obviously he had, he was known as having an incredibly strong lower half. His legs were unstoppable, meaning they were, 
they were just beyond power. Looked great in heels. Uh, looked great in heels. Oh, my God. Could you imagine yes. him in heels, what size those have to be? Yep. Anyway, he won most of, in the beginning, like a lot of guys do, with Oshidashi yep. and Yorikiri, about yes. 60% of the time. But towards the end of his career, he developed better mawashi technique. So he was impossible to move, and yeah. he was incredibly strong. Um, but You're moving 500 pounds. Yeah, 518, I think. Oh, my God. So... That's pretty impressive. That's a lot of man. Yeah. His career record was 779 wins, 294 losses, and I think 115 absences, 12 Makauchi tournaments, one Jurio, one Sandame, one Jonokuchi. Oh, you're checking he won those? Yep. These are tournament wins. Okay. So then he got outstanding performance, fighting spirit, and technique, two techniques. And I think... When you look at his, you you understand the level of Yokozuna he had to be to be competing at that time. And then you look at that record and you're like, well, he won a lot of them. He, to win those, he had to get through not only all the other Yokozunas, I mean, not, uh, all the other Ozeki and lower ranked guys who might have been surprised. He was competing against some of the best of the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found this random interview and he was asked about what one of his favorite moments was from his career. And he said, he said that a match against Takanohano, which I think was one of his rivals, but not rivals, but somebody that he knew, Mm -hmm. um, this guy is really, really tough to beat. And this, it was like the last day and they were both 12 and two and the tournament would be decided that day between him and Takanohana. Mm-hmm. And he had almost lost. He was holding uh, Takanohana's Mawashi with only one hand, but he said it was his lucky hand. <laughs> and oh. he succeeded in pulling it off. Not the Mawashi, <laughs> but the bout. And he had also mentioned about Takanohana. There was a match, which he was also, it was, a, it was either a tournament win and or he was runner-up. He ended up being runner-up. But he had known Takanohana had had a, a bad injury. And he decided when he went into it, um, he decided he was really nervous fighting Takanohana because he knew about his severe injury. Yeah. And he was kind of, it's not that he hesitated, but he was, he was thoughtful about Takanohana's, you know, like making it even worse. And he ended up losing. And his coach came to him and like the next day and was like, you know, what happened? He admitted that he was like, I, I was thinking of, you know, someone I respect and his injury. And I was thoughtful of that. And I insensitive of his arm and his coach was like, no. And wow. Normally you have a week off after a tournament. And his coach was like, you start practicing tomorrow. You are a Yokozuna and you win. Wow. There is no room for thinking of other people, but it kind of gives you a little insight about, he's like a caring dude. Like, you know what we watched? Abby win and it was it was Takayasu who was injured. And we hated it. And we hated it and because we're like I and Takakesho, I always thought Takakesho in that playoff knew yeah. that Takayasu was injured and was like, if I lose this to Abby, at least my friend over here won't hurt himself even more. I kinda of think of it as that moment. These guys are real guys and they honor each other and each other's um abilities and to give them that challenge. So I thought that was that was kind of an interesting story. Um, 
he also, uh, I think, like I said before, he likes to train up some amazing kids these days, but give them barbecue and pizza and makes them feel a little bit more at home. And maybe that has to do with him fitting in, you know, mm-hmm. in Japan. Often his interviews these days, I saw a video of him and Konishki's mostly speaking, but he said in I think two or three interviews that I saw, he prefers to have the interviews in Japanese because his English, he says, is rusty. And so mm-hmm. he's been there for so long. And so he still, though, will like chime in in English and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's very much Japanese now, but still has that sort of sweet spirit about him. Has gone through some health issues. In t- was it 2017? He had a kidney transplant. From his, his wife, wife right? His wife. Who, yeah, he got married to a lovely woman who runs a hula, hula dance uh school they have a kid and yeah he went he he was like on a golf trip or something anyway he fainted or something happened and they were like uh looks like you need a kidney kidney. his wife was like his angel can you imagine what a diminutive kidney it would be (laughs) in comparison i mean but then maybe large 500 maybe organs don't change size but i would just imagine this little (laughs) pea-sized kidney being put into this musashi maru yes but i don't know well he's much smaller now he's like he's like 200 pounds lighter like he is much smaller now so he's a big guy like he's not like you takayama running marathons he's still a very large man no yeah, yeah. He's, he's a big boy. He is. Also, fun things to know about him. He's He was also great at basketball. He said he can dunk. And I was like, I need to see that. Nice. He's um His hobbies include playing games and listening to music. Okay. And he says he likes tough meat and white rice. I also think tough that might... Tough meat? <laughs> I think that's a Japanese translation. Okay. Tough meat. I'm like, <laughs> what could that be, tough meat? Do you think that's steak? It might be. It might be. Or do you think it's overcooked chicken? So that it gets <laughs> He's to be really rubber. into like charred meat. I would think that if he hangs out with Konishki, they barbecue quite a bit well, together. Yeah, right? well, Konishki is always barbecuing. Yeah. Just a couple of other fun tidbits. He doesn't like to fly, at least at this point in his career when one of these interviews was done back in like 2006. It was early on in his career of being an Oyakata. He says he doesn't really like to fly because um, you have to – you have to think small to fit in the plane. <laughs> you can't think yeah. big. You have to think small. And he often has to buy like three seats. So um, wow. it's kind of uncomfortable for him on a plane. Yeah. And it hurts his hips and his back being kind of crunched up like that. And he also says the food on an airplane is terrible and it gives him heartburn. So <laughs> underneath all this is quite a the funny, life, funny guy, the right? The life of a, su- of a retired sumo Well, I guess he's not retired. The life of an oyakata. Right. Having been a sumo wrestler and having to walk around with a big body. It's, it's tough. Yeah. But, you know, he is really a tough critic. Like, yeah. I'm sure they all are. It's just he's very vocal about current wrestlers and what he thinks about them. And I I appreciate that. But other people like Konishki, other people have said about him, though, and why he was successful is he's actually pretty easygoing. Mm-hmm. He he has this kind of spirit about him where he never really got like wrapped up in the nervousness and the paranoia of like going into these big things he had just an easygoing attitude about it he was just like if i practice if i just put my nose to the ground is that the phrase <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll call it yeah, off race. nose 
nose to, to the, the grindstone? Grind the grindstone or just nose to the ground? Let's just say nose <laughs> to the ground. I like that. I like nose to the – he just put his nose to the ground, nose to the clay, <laughs> and uh, he did the work. And the work gave him great results. You know, he also ate a lot. He showed up at like 290 and he got to 530 pounds. So the guy's got staying power when yeah. it comes to eating white rice and chonko. And tough meat. Yeah. But he said uh, – he's like, and you have to drink a lot of beer, a lot of stuff. But he – he backed off of that later in his career, and obviously that's helped him take the weight off, which okay. I was like, that's true. Yeah. That's true. That does put weight on you. He's a Japanese citizen now, lives very much a Japanese life. Okay. He's coaching some amazing kids, and I really do enjoy looking at his social media from the stable because oh, it's always too. like an adorable kid with a cake smiling and you're like i believe in this kid i know it, but it's been hard for him he, he's he also said recruiting because he's hawaiian mm-hmm. he's had a harder time like recruiting top dogs so he often takes kids that don't have a lot of experience and they're newer to sumo mm. so maybe that's kind of his softer sweeter approach it's hard work his one one interview said like the inter like they went and observed um uh, practice and he's a man of few words he doesn't say anything for like an hour and a half of this one you know so probably you'd be scared of him and fear him but on the other side of that when you're teaching new kids how to do sumo you you still have to make them want to stay and this hmm. is probably a balance of strict dad but he gives you a pizza party occasionally on a weekend my one question is are you going to reach out to him over social media and say hey we just did this episode. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Well, I do want to ask him if this is a true story. He doesn't sign autographs because they have their, you know, they have their, what's it called? Um, their handprint thingy-mabobby. <laughs> I'm, it, the, I was in New Orleans. Again, forgive me. He said that a girl came to the stable to ask for an autograph. And the piece of paper he was, she was actually carrying was a marriage certificate already filled out with her name and his name. And she just needed his signature. Oh, that's a little creepy. <laughs> yes. And he said he didn't even know this lady. And then she got really crazy when he told her to go home. And then she grabbed a golf club and started swinging it. And they had to call the police. <laughs> And then they were like uh, – the interview was like, did anyone get hurt? And he's like – he said, well – he broke her heart but (laughs) oh we have to know if that's true well i think that was from this washington post uh interview so i washington post tends to be pretty (laughs) legit you have got to send that to them and say is this true (laughs) is this true isn't that funny whoa wow was that during his heyday or was that just last week uh (laughs) I think that was during his heyday. Okay. Oh my <laughs> He's gosh. a married man now. Wow. A married man. A happily married man. She's like, just can you sign your autograph right here? I'm like, this is so a creepy. marriage certificate. <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> well, as I said earlier, there was an announcement that came out this week that there is a new American kid at Musashigawa Stable this week, and his name is Daniel. Daniel. No last name. But I thought when I saw this come across my desk, I thought, oh, great. This is a kid we'll, we'll start to see fight And this is not his nephew because I know he had a nephew. Well, hold on. Okay. Hold on. Okay. I will tell you more about that. Okay, good. So this kid, Daniel, is the new kid on the block at Musashigaru's stable. But we're not going to see him fight. Musashigawa? Musashi, yes. 
We're not going to see him fight right away. And there are lots of other kids like him in sumo who are in his position. Kids that have an interest in sumo, but kids who are just beginning their sumo school training at the Heia. And for, you know, for kids like Daniel, who comes from Hawaii, they have an entire language and a culture to learn. Right. So they they do take place in some training, but they go to sumo school. So we're not going to see him for at least six months, if not longer. So we're not going to see him until maybe late 2024 Okay, up there on the doyo, right? Because they just have a lot to learn about the structure of sumo. He's probably going to cook and clean a lot. Yeah. But, you know, he'll be he'll be baking in the oven like a <laughs> like a cheesecake, right? Am, am I just remembering weirdly in our Pimsleur Japanese course was cheesecake cheesy cakey? Cheesy cake. Cheesy it was cake-y? something like cheesy cakey or something, yeah. I don't know why that just popped into my mind. Yeah. Oh, I this is a tidbit of news I forgot to tell you. I yeah. did see this in the feed. Did you know I think it's Oho? has well now that he lives by himself and he's not married he has taken up baking and he has become like an expert baker and really? he posts pictures of beautiful rolls and breads and no. that's what he does with his spare time and i'm not talking he's just making a simple yeah. white bread loaf he's making french like batards nice yeah like it's impressive oh, that's awesome. side note yeah we should I just love- all know these things i just love we it. have a baker amongst us yeah well, so just for fun, I thought what I would do is I would look up this kid, Daniel, see what I could find out about him, because he's our latest American recruit. Um, according to John Jacks, he's from the same area and went to the same high school as Musashimaru. Oh. And Tachiai blog says that this kid graduated high school over the summer. Okay. And then went to Japan. The internet, after a little search, says that his older brother is or was Musashi Kuni Mamu. Okay. Who is the former Rikishi who was active for about six years and was and is Musashi Maru's nephew. So I think we can assume that this kid Daniel is probably his nephew as well. Okay. Yeah, because when I looked at the picture, I was like, one of these things actually looks like the other. Looks like, yeah, he looks very similar. (laughs) Yeah, 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 like, yeah. If this kid is not related to him, I'd be like, "That's bizarre." Because yeah. they look very similar. Yeah. So I think we could assume that nepotism is alive and well, and that this kid—I said that kind of tongue in cheek. I right. really did. Right. But he does come from the same area in the same family. But we could it, assume that he's good stock. probably I mean, going to be a big kid. Yeah. I mean, you're like. This is where I came from. He's got good genes. Yeah. Really, really good genes. And his older brother was active in sumo for about six years. His highest rank was Makushita. He's most, his older brother, this kid's older brother, is most famous on the boards for completely knocking out one of his opponents um, in a sumo match. But... Uh, that older brother recently retired. So what's most interesting to me is that his uncle is, or seems to be, Musashimaru. We can assume, or, or at least going to be big. He's going to be big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, he's adorable. He's, yeah, very cute. Ad- adorable eyes. That's very cute. all we know about this kid, which okay. is relatively nothing. Well, I mean, he was kind of 
back in Hawaii, just probably going to school, like, besides finding his, like, Facebook page, which we haven't done. Like, well, because I can't, I don't know this kid's last name. And you don't want to creep on a kid. That's weird. exactly. Yeah, but But let him be anonymous. Yeah, but what I can say... So I it just took me down the road of Hawaiian sumo again. Right. Let me take this back a little bit. I saw a picture of John Gunning uh looking really tiny standing <laughs> next to Kenna. Okay, so all roads in Hawaiian sumo either lead to Musashimaru and Kanishiki in right. the pro sumo level or they lead to John Jacks and Kenna Heffernan who are training up kids often and international sumo wrestlers in Hawaii. All roads seem to lead to those, those Mm. people in Hawaiian sumo. So I saw this picture of John Gunning looking tiny standing next to Kenna. (laughs) And then I saw another picture of Kenna looking tiny compared to Musashi Maru. Oh. And I thought, oh, okay. Musashi Maru was that, that big. big, yeah, that big, and so that made me go, Oh, well, no wonder, no wonder they're really interested in anyone related to Masashimaru because they could get that large, right? And that's pretty, pretty amazing. Just as a reminder for anyone who's interested in Hawaiian sumo, if you're in Hawaii. You can look up John Jacks. We did an episode on him that you could look up. I don't know our episode number. Yeah, great but guy. Really amazing guy. Such a champion of the sport. Yeah. Or you could, if you're in and around Honolulu, you can look up Kenna Hefferman, who is teaching free sumo for boys and girls in Honolulu. And it's also worth mentioning that Kenna took a group of kids to the Hakaho Cup this year in February. It was the first time they went in about three years, and they did very, very, very well. Here's an example, another example of talent in Hawaii. And this time, this is from the team that went to the Hakaho's Cup, the group that Kenna teaches. There is a kid in that group named, nicknamed Yaya. They call him Yaya. Let me see if I can get his name correct. His official name is Uraya Ulima Kanahau Luamanu. And this kid is in fifth grade, and he is 5'9", and weighs 209 pounds in fifth grade. That sounds like my fifth grade. I look like a... A student teacher, like because I matured early and I was held back, so really? I looked like a grown woman in fourth grade, fifth grade. It was, I was, it was very, it was, it definitely had an effect not on me. me. I was a beanpole. I was thin as a rail, and you could have like knocked me over with a feather <laughs> in fifth grade. But this kid, Yaya, <laughs> who it seems to me that's that's quite big and quite tall. That's as tall as I am. In fifth grade, he went to the Hakaho Cup in February, and he was the first wrestler outside of Japan or Mongolia to ever medal in that event in all of its 13-year history. He won a bronze medal in a elementary school fifth grade category. Yeah, that's awesome. Bring yeah. back the Hawaiians. Right? Bring them back. They're huge, and they're yeah. fierce, and they're strong. Bring them back. So this this kid, Yaya, he plays football at home, and he's only doing sumo to improve his flexibility and his uh-huh. balance. But at the Hakaho Cup, he got to train at Musashimaru Stable. He also got to go to Hakaho Stable and train a little bit. Wow. So there are direct connections from these Hakaho yeah. Cup 
you know, Kenna, John Jacks, all these local kids in Hawaii direct to Masashi Maru's stable. Mm -hmm. So Masashi Maru is still training up these Hawaiian kids and giving them opportunities that that just don't seem to exist. Right. Well, and he else can only have one foreign kid in his stable. Right, at a time. Right, but, but he, he might can... be able to get another Hawaiian kid in another stable as the sole foreigner. Exactly. I mean, you bring in a whole bunch of kids, you have them train at your stable, you bring in your friends, you bring in people from other stables, and you say, hey, come over and just watch these kids. Right. See what they're doing back in my home state, and if you have an opening somewhere, consider these kids. Right. So between Musashi Maru's family and Kanishki's sort of ambassadorship of the sport, and John Jack's and uh, Kenna's devotion to developing kids in Hawaii and to helping create and educate sumo programs online, like sumo really continues to be an avenue for athletes in America. And they all love to talk about the importance of full contact sports and learning to the respect and the sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. that comes with the hard work and devotion in sumo. And it's just... It's just really, it's just really great to see an article like that come out in the news. Like, here's this kid, Daniel, local Hawaiian kid, coming to Japan to train with his uncle. And we just can't wait to see what comes for Daniel and for many other kids that might yeah. have the same dream. I hope big things. Yeah. We just wish you well, Daniel. You're in a great place. Learn from Musashi, Musashimaru. Musashi Gawa now. Yes. Just call him Mushi. I'm sure he'll love it. <laughs> I'm sure that's the <laughs> fastest way to earn yourself an extra hard training session. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, isn't it Kota Nawaka who doesn't refer to his dad as like, that's my dad? Like, his dad. It's is, like, thank you, master. Yes. So thank you, master. I, right? his, See, his uncleship happens. is gone for well, a while. These family dynasties, they just, they're all over the place in the sumo world and in Hollywood, to tell you the truth. I mean, we've, in Hollywood, it's very similar. Very similar. Yeah. The training is just as Just tough. as, just as difficult. Genes <laughs> <laughs> do seem to be very important. In Hollywood and in sumo. They do. Yeah, they do. And that's really all I've got on this kid named Daniel, who is joining the sumo world and representing America. That's right. Let's cheer him on. Yep. And um, I'm always shooting for a win for Musashigawa as well. Like, yeah. I always want some of his wrestlers to, you know, be working their way, way up the ranks and to see them. And to know he's still dealing with people who, like, like recruiting issues, or just oh, I thought you were going to say trying to marry him. Still well, dealing with a random you know, crazy I don't women know. who are trying to get him to sign marriage certificates. Yeah. Well, if you're listening, Musashigawa Oyakata, uh, big fans here. Yeah, we won't ask for your autograph. We won't. Nope. And if we did, it's not a marriage contract. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Although both of us are single, but we understand <laughs> you are not. Yeah. All right. Until next week, I am Leslie. I'm Laurie. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.